Whew, it's dusty down here. Is this thing even on? Hello? 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 Coming to you almost live from a very dusty recording studio, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott, and I'm all by myself at the moment, actually. Adam and I, taking the summer off. You may have noticed that there haven't been too many episodes posted in the last little while. Uh, That's because we do need a break, and we are both very busy men who occasionally do other things, such as work, to pay our bills. Uh, But... We did want to do something this summer, Uh, specifically because Edmonton, lovely city, is Festival City. That's one of the many titles that it claims. And as Festival City, there's just, frankly, a lot that goes on uh, during the course of the summer. We didn't want to completely miss all that, so we decided to put together a summer special, a spectacular summer episode just for you, our loyal listeners, uh, so that you could enjoy vicariously some of the events that we have been taking in. So uh, we don't have a main interview, but we do have uh, a number of smaller segments broken up throughout the show. Uh, Specifically, Adam took in the Edmonton Folk Music Festival this year, and uh, he interviewed a number of people on behalf of the show, and we're going to visit that. Uh, And also, the Fringe Festival is going on, and Adam and I both took in that, and... uh, We have a couple interviews from that as well, and we'll get to that a little later in the show. But we're going to turn things over to start with Adam. Uh, He's at the Folk Music Festival, and he is speaking with the Queen of Swamp Blues, Cat Dancer. We'll see you on the other side of that. So I'm coming to you almost live with Cat Dancer uh, from Alberta, actually. Are you not? I'm from Saskatchewan, actually, originally, but I live in Alberta. Well, they got it wrong in the program, I suppose. Did they? Not? But uh, no that's okay. It's all good. And are you are you working the Folk Fest circuit this summer? I am. Yes, I've been all over Canada this summer. I've been uh, in Winnipeg and Newfoundland and Yellowknife and Vancouver Island and and now here. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> That's what it's like being on these festival grounds. It's um, just one big opportunity to reconnect with my fans and to spend time with people, which I love doing. And yeah. so you caught me right mid. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's almost like uh, like when uh, the, the the sort of spectators come here and they see. Uh, like I've been here uh, a few days and I've seen people I don't normally see except at Folk Fest. Is it kind of the same thing for you? It is, and you know, one of the things being on the festival circuit is that I also get to see music, other musicians multiple times, right? And check in, you know, and uh, bug them a little bit and those kinds of things. So, but no, it's it's a great opportunity to reconnect with uh, with the folks, with my fans here in Edmonton, but also uh, with other musicians, and it's just so great to cross paths, you know, and find out what's shaking in everybody's world. So yeah, now now so your influences. A, a heavy blues influence, uh, Southern United States, Mississippi kind of yes. stuff. Yes. Um, how has that been received here? Do you feel like does that fit into the the concept of a folk festival? Well, I think Terry Wickham has done a terrific job at making sure that it fits. Uh, sometimes people have a very narrow idea of what folk music is, and folk music is actually music of the folk. 
and I am one of the folks, so I figure, what the heck, as long as I'm making music, uh, I belong here. Uh, my music, I've always held a vision for how I view blues music, and, um, and I really have a strong sort of moral stance around support and collaboration and creating a community of music, no matter what we're doing, as long as we're doing it honestly and ethically. And so that's what I've held the vision for, and I really feel like it has actually held me in good stead in this community, and, um, and certainly my music has, has finally, you know, caught, caught on. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it has. I mean, I heard you on CBC the other day, and everything is really great, but I've, I've seen a few criticisms from people who've said, uh, you know, things like, folk music should not involve electric instruments and and yeah. and your response to that is just it's about the music being honest yeah it's about the music being honest and i mean when dylan when dylan played newport with an electric guitar i mean he was booed off the stage and so you know he it, i don't think it harmed his career at all but i mean what he did was he was showing folks that even when you plug in um, you are still creating a sound and it's where it comes from in your heart and how you're expressing your own personal musical passion and it's not about you know like playing a big riff chord it's, it's simply about creating an environment. And as a touring musician, I have to say it's a heck of a lot lighter to carry an electric guitar than it is, than it is 150 pounds of other instruments. And that is totally fair. That's totally yeah. fair. So what, are you, what have you been looking forward to? What are you excited to see at this year's Edmonton Folk Fest, aside from being a performer yourself? Well, as a blues artist, I mean, there's no question this is uh, the festival to be at for blues music. You have Janova Magnus, um, you know, Wanda Jackson. I don't know if you caught that stage, but I love Wanda Jackson. And... Um, uh, also, of course, Taj and uh, Joe Lewis Walker and, I mean, just a whole host of, of uh, fine blues musicians. So, as always, I go to, I go to learn, you know, yeah. I, I, and I, I listen really closely, I hear what they're doing, and I see if it fits for me, and if it does, then I try to, to, try to get better as yeah. a musician and as a writer. So that's a really important one, and of course, on the songwriting end of things, when you have someone as amazing as Guy Clark here, uh, you know, you just have to, you have to hear this guy to see how masterful he is with words and with energy and um, I just hope he has a lot more folk festivals in him because uh, it's such a thrill. Yeah, I hope so too and I really want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks a lot Adam, I appreciate that. Good luck with the rest of the weekend Kat and take care. Take care Adam. Bye-bye. Uh, the next band that Adam caught up with was The Deep Dark Woods. Spending a lot of time out in the beer gardens. Uh, we the, the green room backstage. We we spent a little bit of time there last night. Uh, I don't know, four hours or something, three hours, Burke. Yeah, about six six drinks worth of time. That's good. That's good. So, are you guys doing the whole Canadian folk festival circuit this summer, or or is this the only one? Uh, no, there's there's uh, there's quite a few festivals. There's uh, Trout Forest. Uh, which is in Ear Falls, Ontario. There's Wood Mountain. Uh, there's a festival or two in Manitoba. Uh, that's that's really about it. We we kind of went easy on booking because of the release of the album. We were unsure as to when the album was going to be released. So uh, we're not as busy as we have been in, in past years, but uh, next year we'll be full blast again all summer long for sure. And so when did the most recent album come out? Uh, Tuesday, August 2nd. Yeah, less than a week old. And uh, so, are you guys finding that a lot of people have picked it up, or are, are these? We hope so. Are you largely an unknown entity at a festival like this? Um, 
We actually sent some scouts out to the merch tent, and they've been they've been moving a few, so that's good. Yeah. And uh, and now I have to ask because we're all prairie dwellers, what are the uh, mosquitoes like back in Saskatoon? Right now, uh, not that that bad. They've been worse. See, I live down in the south. I live in a town called Mortlac. Uh, when you're driving down some of those those uh, grid roads, you can they're bad. You can see them, but in the town, they they don't seem to be that bad. On the golf course, they're horrible. I'll tell you. And you know this because you're a golfer. I'm the greatest golfer in Canada. <laughs> I think we need to tell the CPGA about this. No, don't. No. <laughs> okay. I'm humble. Yeah. No, I I definitely get that vibe. <laughs> So what about like being here, uh, you're, a, you're a band, you're performing, what about being here as a spectator? Is there, is there anything you guys are looking forward to seeing? Is it, or are, is it a whirlwind tour for you? Are you coming in and leaving right away? Uh, we'll be around all weekend. Um, there's a lot of bands I've, I've circled to kind of check out, but it, sometimes it's hard to schedule when you're playing around the shows you want to see stuff there's a lot going on at the same time but uh yeah i checked out the main stage last night and i probably will tonight that's fair enough what about you wanda jackson uh taj mahal um fellas like uh chris smither we're doing a workshop with him shortly actually um who else there's a lot lots of music to walk around and check out for sure so uh, when does the uh, the summer tour end? When are you guys back at home making more music or or just relaxing? Uh, it doesn't end really. It, uh, it it will be going on into November, and then we'll be at home relaxing after that. Christmas time, right? Christmas time, yeah. Pretty much, actually, this weekend is the beginning of our really busy, busy, busy time. We're releasing the record uh, October eighteenth with Sugar Hill in the states. And uh, so uh, our agency down there is, is booking us uh, CD release tours down there. And, uh, yeah, so they're going to keep us really busy all over the U.S. And, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And uh, when can we expect to see you back in Edmonton? Because I have to say, I really enjoyed your set at Stage 1 this afternoon. Thank you. Um, sometime in the fall. Okay. Yeah, I think. Is there I'm not sure if there's one booked. Um, I know we're playing in Lloyd. Which is like it's like Edmonton. It's not that far. But it's only a couple hours. Yeah, it's like a small, small version of Edmonton. Yeah. Ideally, we would do Edmonton on the same trip, but I don't know if that, I don't know if it's booked yet. What about back home in Saskatoon? I'm, because between you guys and me, I'm going to be down there for Thanksgiving. Uh, any chance I'll see you guys in October in Saskatoon? There is a chance, I think. Yeah, I think we've been talking about doing a CD release show um, in the fall, but once again, I don't think it's booked. All right. Well, we'll keep, where should we stay tuned to see uh, updates on where you guys are at? Uh, TheDeepDarkWoods.com, or what? What uh, people do, they just Google the Deep Dark Woods, and it pretty much will bring up any info you need. MySpace is up there. Uh, you can buy our brand new album uh, off the website. The website's the best place to check tour schedules for sure. DeepDarkWoods.com, right? Yeah. Deep yeah. The DeepDarkWoods.com. Thank you guys so much for taking a few moments out of your busy schedule to chat with me. No problem. Thank you, man.
Cheers, guys. Cheers. And now, Sex Talk brought to you by the Traveling Tickle Trunk. Hey, I'm Lauren from the Traveling Tickle Trunk. Are you planning a summer trip and wondering whether you can bring your sex toys with you? You're not alone. This is a very common question here at the Traveling Tickle Trunk. We are much more comfortable with our sex toys than we ever used to be, but we're still not willing to risk exposing them to public during an airport security screening. So here's what you can do if you'd like to take your toys on your summer holiday without an embarrassing incident. Carry travel-sized bottles of lube if you plan on keeping it in your carry-on. Lube is expensive and having it confiscated is a bummer, especially because you may not find your favorite brand at your vacation destination. Our two favorite lubes, pink silicone and pink water, come in 50 milliliter bottles, which will pass the airport inspection, and they have a leak-free lockable pump top too. When it comes to your toys, remember that they are not prohibited on airplanes, so they can't be taken away from you. But if you have a toy that could be used as a weapon, like a heavy glass dildo or a cane, you might want to put that in your checked luggage just in case. Also, take out your toy's batteries or lock your rechargeable vibrators before packing them away. If your bag comes vibrating down that conveyor belt, airport security is probably going to open it. We love the Lilo Mia and Lilo Nia for travel because they are lockable with pretty and discreet designs. Airport security won't even know they're sex toys. Make sure you have a personal name tag on your bag in addition to the airline tag. The last thing you want is for your bag to get lost because the airline will want a description of the bag and its contents in order to identify it. Most importantly, just be confident. There is nothing wrong with bringing sex toys on your vacation and you are never going to see the airline security inspector again. According to Carol Queen, one of our favorite sex educators, it's not the vibrators that create the issues. It's the shame and embarrassment about the vibrators. There's no reason to be embarrassed. If an inspector asks you about it, look him in the eye and tell him it's your vibrator. So pack your toys and your lube and have a great time on your summer holiday. Time to check the old email. Dear Jeff and Sally, what the heck's the Edmontonian.com? Adam and Scott. Well, Adam and Scott, the Edmontonian's a local news and information website, but it's collaborative, so anybody in Edmonton can write and create content for us, and it's all things Edmonton news, neighborhoods, sports, arts, events. Sally, can you get off the phone? I'm trying to answer emails. TheEdmontonian.com. On the internet since 2009. All right, well, the Edmonton Folk Music Festival is not the only festival going on in Edmonton throughout the summer. There are many, many festivals and events that take place. Capital X... Taste of Edmonton, all of them fantastic, all of them worth checking out. One of the bigger ones is the Edmonton International Fringe Festival, this year celebrating its 30th anniversary with Fringeopolis, uh, the theme that they have chosen for this year. Now, for those of you who might be unfamiliar with the Fringe, the Fringe is uh, a theater festival 
put on by people from Edmonton, from out of town, even from out of country. And Edmonton happens to boast one of the largest fringe festivals in the world, certainly the largest in North America, with tons of theatre happening over the course of the week of events that are going on. Uh, there are 11 main stage venues, including uh, this year, dozens of BYOVs where uh, artists will actually uh, bring their own venue uh, so that they can partake in the fringe while not necessarily being able to make use of the limited space the fringe has with its regular stages. So there's plenty of shows to check out. Uh, it's a great festival. It goes until August 21st. Now, assuming that you downloaded this episode the day uh, that it came out, then you still have several days to take in the Fringe. And we specifically asked all of the artists we interviewed uh, to make mention of when their shows would be going on, how many more opportunities you'd get out to see them. However, the internet is a magical place where things remain forever. So uh, assuming that you downloaded this episode after August 21st of 2011, then you have missed your opportunity. None of these shows are still running. If you go to see them, you will fail. Just telling you that up front. Uh, but we're going to turn things over to start with an interview that involves both Adam and myself, and we'll take it from there. We'll see you in a minute. This is Adam coming to you almost live from Casa Brago. I'm here with Leah Anderson and Scott C. Bourgeois. Yes, the same Scott C. Bourgeois. It's me. Who hosts the Unknown Studio. How are you? I am tired. Why are you tired? Because uh, I have a very full weekend of uh, fringe commitments that also coincide with my work commitments. Leah, are you tired? I am less tired as my work does not involve working on weekends. That's delightful. That's, that's fantastic. So what is it here at the fringe that is making Scott tired and you sort of tired? Um, well, we are in two shows. And so that involves getting here to tell people about our shows and then getting ready for the shows and then doing the shows and then packing up the shows and then going on to the next thing. Uh, whereas I tend to get home at, you know, midnight and, and sleep until around, you know, eight or nine and then come back to the fringe. Uh, Scotty likes to do this thing where he gets home at midnight and then wakes up at 3.30 and then goes and works a full day and then comes to the fringe grounds. So that would be why we are not the same amount of tired. Now, I don't think Scott likes to do this thing, but he does it for art. And why don't you tell me, Scott, about uh, the two productions that you're in uh, at the Fringe this year? Okay. Uh, well, first of all, uh, we are in Has This Ever Happened to You? The Ron Kashmir story, which uh, was previously mentioned on this podcast when we were talking to Marty Chan, though I think the title of the play changed since then. Sure. And what is... What is uh, has this ever happened to you, the Ron Kashmir story, all about? Okay, well, it actually has its genesis back in the days of the Edmonton Sketch Conspiracy, which Leah and I were both members of, uh, which was a sketch comedy troupe uh, locally that was a conspiracy. Anyway, um, a character that we had recurring was named Ron Kashmir, and he was a product pitchman, and he was written by Edmonton playwright Rick Kiebick. Um, Rick loved the character and always wanted to revisit him at some point in a full-length production and tried for many years to get into the fringe with limited to no success. A little more on the no side, otherwise this would have happened earlier. Uh, but he finally got in this year because it is a fringe lottery, so it's just luck of the draw and he just had a spate of years where it was just not coming up. He was on the waiting list a few times, but so far down it was not worth even preparing um 
So anyway, he got in this year, uh, approached myself and Leah and said, I want to do this show. I will only do it if you guys are in. We both gave him the thumbs up. And so that's what is happening. And it, so it's a two-person show about a pitch man and what? Love lost, love barely grabbed. Tell me. Uh, thankfully, no. I think everyone has seen uh, a two-hander about one person who loves another person and the other person not really wanting to do that. Uh, this one's a little bit more interesting. It's actually um, my character, Lucy Cartwright, is Ron's protege, kind of working with him. But uh, Fompt has always been a one a one pitch man company. They, they don't need anyone other than Ron because Ron is the best pitcher of products ever. So all Lucy really needs to do is be kind of charming on camera and sell the same products or maybe the, fe the female market hit that a little bit more directly, you know, for the odd thing. But mostly she's just been there as like a redundant backup. They, everybody believed Ron was, you know, never going anywhere. And then he disappears and is presumed dead. And all of the pressure falls onto Lucy Cartwright, who maybe somewhat sort of totally fractures under the pressure. Uh, and at the at the start of our play, and, and I, I don't think this is really giving anything away. So, you know, I think it's all right to say that Ron essentially comes comes back into Lucy's life. She's not sure if he's a figment of her imagination at first or if this is actually happening. Uh, but through that kind of catharsis, uh, winds up becoming a better pitchman and uh, culminates in a hilarious video that we filmed with Lee Conrad uh, to, uh, to unveil Fomp's like, greatest invention ever. I'm getting a bit of a food dehydrator vibe from you guys, and, and I, I feel like that's okay. What the heck is a food dehydrator vibe? It chafes. I don't really want to talk it's about it. It's a dry it. vibe. It's a, it's a dry, hard, crusty vibe. It's... It's a it's it's an oddball comedy. It's difficult to put into a pigeonhole. It's not it's not something that can be easily described, and that's one of the things that's brilliant about Rick's writing. It's never really that um, simple to describe. I, I will say that it's a comedy in the sense that it is funny to watch me struggle. It it is funny to watch me going through emotional pain, and uh, you know that that that's the genesis of comedy in this case. It's 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 amusing to watch Lucy try to keep it together. On or off stage, I should say it's amusing to watch Leah in pain. Um, <laughs> now, tell me a little bit about uh, Yegprov. Let's call it the improvement on a theme, shall we? Um, what's it all about? When's it running? Uh, Scott, fire away. Okay, well, um, this is actually the brainchild of Paul Wallace uh, and Randy Brzozowski. More Paul than Randy, really. Yeah. Um, of... And Chris Larange, yes. I was going to mention Paul and Randy because they are the Wombats. Chris is also there. Um, they're all really good guys. Uh, they, I, I mentioned Randy more because he's kind of taken like a captaincy role in the troupe. Would you call him Improv Dad? Yes. And Paul would be Improv Mom. Um, which is just amusing because really in a sketch, Randy is far more likely to pay, play a woman than, uh, <laughs> than Paul is. So gender reversal, woot. At any rate, um, <laughs> Paul came up with this idea months ago to tie Twitter into improv, basically to have people in the audience with their smartphones out tweeting in suggestions and media and, and things that can be used by the improvisers on stage. And then Rapid Fire did it uh, a few months after he came up with and I was party to this. I was invited to participate. And uh, I think it gave uh, Paul an opportunity to see what would fail dramatically and what would succeed slightly. 
Uh, yes. He was simultaneously outraged and thrilled uh, by the fact that uh, that they kind of came to the same idea that he did um, and were able to implement it faster. But uh, uh, that's where the outrage came from. But he was thrilled because it gave him an opportunity, exactly what you said, to see it kind of on its legs. And he took copious notes. He went and watched and uh, came back to us and went, okay, this worked really well. This was an abstract failure, uh, or abject failure, rather. And um, yeah, uh, we kind of refined what worked and discarded what didn't and came up with uh, a show that is currently running every night of the Fringe. Except for the last Sunday. Except for the last Sunday. Uh, at 9.15 at Knox Metropolitan Church, which is... Uh, just on 109th, right across from Original Joe's. Yeah. Yes. And the players uh, change slightly with each performance. Is that correct? Yeah. A lot of us are doing two shows or have other commitments that prevent us from being there every night guaranteed. So there are, I think, nine, ten improvisers uh, who cycle through. There's six of us on stage plus a host each night. And, of course, uh, Anita, who is there every night as our stage manager, and that's, I think, actually kind of crucial to what makes the games that we've developed work. The The whole process was a lot of, like, what does Twitter do? What does Twitter give us? And how can we use what that's creating to develop games? So lots of the games that we're doing are brand new games. We're not trying to do the same games you've seen at other improv shows, but using Twitter. Yeah. And uh, Anita does a great job in kind of filtering that feed for us so that we can actually like use them immediately. You're tweeting suggestions during one scene, and the next scene uses them. Now, to your knowledge, has anything like this be, been done in any other markets for improv, or is it is it unique to Edmonton? I'm going to say probably it has been done, and that's without any knowledge uh, one way or the other. It's just, it's it's a novel idea, and I'd like to say that Paul was the first person to think of it, but the fact that Rapid Fire kind of had a similar idea indicates to me that it's something that other improvisers along the way have stumbled to themselves. Like, there's... I would say no way that it's completely unique. But uh, we're the only people doing it at the moment in Edmonton, and uh, it's uh, so far been fairly successful, actually, I would say. Uh, it, people have reacted very well to it. Who've come to see it. Yeah, we were actually trending in Edmonton last night, and uh, it was it's actually really fantastic even at the end of the show because normally you, you do a show and the audience all leaves and you wind up waiting like days for reviews and comments and word of mouth. That wasn't the case. The show ended and our Twitter feed just started coming along with great show, awesome job, super excited, coming back. It was so validating to see that at the at the end of the run. Yeah, as I sat in my living room drunk in a stupor last night, I did I did catch a few tweets come through of people saying, you know, it was great. I'm excited to see it again. And the, the best part is it will be different because, well, that's the nature of improv. You can find information about Yegprov and the Ron Kashmir story at fringetheater.ca. In fact, you would have uh, three more chances to see Has This Ever Happened to You? Uh, one this evening and then again on Thursday evening and then Saturday afternoon. Delightful. So thank you for listening to Leah and Scott. From Casa Brego, I'm sitting on the floor. This is the Unknown Studio. Now, the next show we caught up with was actually the girls from Channel One, which is uh, not just an out-of-town show, but an out-of-country show. They're from New York, and this is an interview with Emily James and Isha Jansen-Faith. So I'm going to turn things over to that and actually myself. 
Hey, it's Scott. I am being eaten by mosquitoes outside of the Catalyst Theater, and I'm here with Channel One, which is a show from uh, not just out of town, but actually out of country. You guys are from the USA. How is the USA today? Well, we wouldn't know because we're not there. <laughs> but two weeks ago, it was doing just fine, but it was really hot because yeah. we live in New York, and it was sweltering. And there's that heat wave going on down there right now. Total heat wave. Yeah, it was unbearable. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, we drove out of town smiling. <laughs> I can imagine. A little bit cooler up in Canada. Yeah. Oh, tons. Little no, bit. like massively. Yeah, you get a breeze. You don't have buildings blocking the breeze. I apologize, we don't have two feet of snow right now. <laughs> it's okay. Which would have been a nice change. Next time. <laughs> Next time, fair enough. All right. All right, so uh, tell me about your show. Well, we're the last two women on Earth, and we live in the future. But we're all alone. Because the world ended sometime in 2011. But we're we not don't sure know when. when. Yeah, we're not sure when. So we got in a time machine and we time jumped the end of the world to a far future where there are no people or things or anything. And in order to stave off boredom and entertain ourselves, we make up small TV shows for each other. And then all of a sudden, time traveling audiences find the time machine and start traveling to our future. So the only thing we know how to do is TV for them. So that's what they get. For an hour, we just keep them entertained for an hour and then we give them the choice at the end if they want to go back to their lives or they want to stay with us. Has anybody chosen to stay with you so far? <laughs> Not yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. So you guys, uh, are, you guys are doing a clown show? We like to say it's a cross between sketch and clown. Our background is clown and then... Um, and we also have some improv background. So we mix it together. Yeah, we didn't want to keep strictly to the clown. We don't. We didn't. We don't use red noses, and we wanted to deal with like smaller, um, little numbers that incorporated a little bit more sketch. But kind of keeping with the physicality. Oh yeah. Yeah. Physicality of character and we address the audience. Yeah. There's Include no fourth Include the wall. audience. We don't bring people up on stage, so don't be scared. But we'll talk to you during the show. And we acknowledge what happens. You know, if the sound cue goes wrong, we'll... Self-awareness is the best kind of awareness, I find. Yeah, that's what they say in Buddhism. Yes. <laughs> um, I think. Now, is this your guys' first time in Edmonton? Yeah. It's our first time doing the Canadian Fringe. We did Toronto before this and then Edmonton. And that's it for this year. Um, but we've done smaller festivals in New York, in the city, and in Brooklyn. Like the New York Clown Festival and the Mini Fridge Festival, which is part of the Frigid Festival in New York. We did that right before we went to Toronto. Okay. Yeah, but it's our first, first slew of Canadian audiences. And how have you found the Canadian audiences so far? Really awesome, I think. We are, we are polite people, I'm very told. polite. But very, like, appreciative and, like, you know, really good sense of humor, mm -hmm. good sense of play, you know, and not too cynical. Uh, serious or cynical, you know. Sometimes in New York, you'll get a lot of people just looking at you like, I dare you to make me laugh. <laughs> make me laugh. Go on. In Canada, they're like ready. They're like, I want to laugh. I want to laugh. Yeah. You know? Right on. Um, what, what was kind of your impetus to come to Canada? 
just to to experience doing the show up here or yeah, I think there's not a lot of opportunity to perform in New York um, unless you want to totally self-produce at this level so we knew we didn't want to do that and so we applied to a bunch of different outlets and we had friends who've done the whole circuit for years and years and they just say the best things about it so we decided to follow their footsteps how are you finding Edmonton so far love it it's, there's such a buzz for the French. It's exciting. You know, every day when we go out there, there's so many people that seem just excited to see shows. And the city itself is so pretty. Yeah. At least at this time of year. <laughs> we go running here, and it's like these beautiful runs on the river trail. Love yeah. it. Yeah, it's been great. And so far, the I mean, yeah, the people in the town and also the businesses are really supportive of the French, which is different than other experiences we've had. Like, they want to put your poster up, and they want to talk to you about your show, and you know, support you and what you're doing. So, well, we at the Unknown Studio definitely support what you are doing. <laughs> so that is why uh, we came out to talk to you guys. I like your futuristic bracelet. Thank you. <laughs> it's silver. He has a silver-plated metal bracelet that matches our outfits really well. People uh, presume that it is from a cartoon called Naruto. It is not the case. Uh, it is actually um, a bondage cuff. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I think it's supposed to be magnetic. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think my dental fillings are going towards it. <laughs> uh, if you get too close, it starts picking up radio signals. <laughs> oh, I thought that was just a song in my head. <laughs> well played. Um, Good playoffs. I forgot what my next question was. I should have written them down. Um, well, our inspiration mainly was these characters that we've had rolling around in our heads for many years. And we worked together in a bigger clown troupe in New York for many years. And then an all-women clown troupe. Yeah, it was 11 women. And then uh, we decided to break off because we wanted to do a little bit more sketch. And we have these characters that are based on people we, we say we know, love, or hate. And... Um, and we started developing them, and then we thought, oh, well, we need, like, a little bit of a show to put them in. And so then we thought that they were all kind of public access TV shows, because the people were all... It's like they had a show, but they didn't really... It wasn't, like, a strict form of a show. They were kind of loose and kind of distracted. And, and kind of lonely and desperate, in a way. In a funny way. <laughs> hey, <laughs> she pointed to me. You can't see that. Magic of radio, of internet radio. But then we thought what would be a good idea is that if they all lived in kind of a post-apocalyptic world and that, where they were the only two people alive. And then when we got into the Clown Festival last year, we made it this construct that the audience comes to us. And so we have a direct play with the audience. And have you been getting good feedback just in general from your audiences so far? Yeah. Yeah. In New York, it was a very friendly crowd because um, we did it at the Clown Festival and then our own run. So it's all people we know. This is the first time we ever performed around all strangers. You and know, so far that's scary, you know, because your friends are always rooting for you. Yeah. You never know what the strangers they are. They never give you objective viewpoints. Oh, you were great. Oh, yeah, the lighting was fantastic. And you were... Your body's like awesome right now. You, you, uh, you hit all of your marks and you picked up your cues. And doing a show. <laughs> but in Toronto, we were, it was like the first time that we did it to all strangers. And uh, 
we were really relieved after the first show that people got it. What if the Canadians don't know what this means? What if they don't use the word TV? We actually thought that. It's like so different up here. Have you found it to be very different up here? In small ways. I find it different that when you meet people and talk to them, they're like so nice in a way that I don't think Americans have it in them. Well, maybe at least in New York. Yeah, New York. It's like you talk to people and you're like, wow, you're like, wait, you're just really, you're just nice. Like down you to can't earth explain and it. like not, no pretension <laughs> or like self, like two big britches kind of. Yeah. And open-minded. Yeah. It's nice. Awesome. Yeah. So when are you guys performing on your show? Our next show, well. Starting on Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday night. 7.15 p.m. And then uh, Friday, the 19th at 10.30 p.m. And our last show is Saturday the 20th at 5.45. So our listeners still have three chances to get out and see you guys blow their minds. The Catalyst Theater, venue number six, Stand be alone. there or be square. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you guys for coming on the show and talking about your show. Like a bondage cuff. No problem. <laughs> Thank you so much. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. We're going to continue our Edmonton International Fringe Festival coverage now uh, with a talk with a first-time Fringe playwright and director. That would be Ben Wheelwright. Adam caught up with him on the Fringe Grounds. So this is Adam coming to you almost live from the Firefighters Memorial where a bronze girl is trying to bewitch a firefighter. And I'm sitting here with Ben Wheelwright, a young actor and playwright. How are you doing, Ben? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, um, So I understand that you're in two productions, uh, one of which you wrote. Why don't you tell us about the one that you, or sorry, co-wrote. Tell us a little bit about that play. Yeah, um, the play is called The Perspective on Something Important, and it's my first play I've ever written, which is very exciting and nerve-wracking at the same time. And it's playing at Avenue Theatre on 118th Avenue, um, the furthest venue from the fringe scone event uh, grounds. <laughs> so, uh, w- do you feel like they kind of pushed you to the edge to really test your metal as a as a new uh, burgeoning playwright? Uh, the Avenue Theater Theater venue, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's a very gritty um, theater. It's how a theater should look, and it's, uh, it's providing a lot of um, uh, material for, my, for the work. <laughs> right on. That's cool. And uh, so tell me a little bit about the, the play that you've co-written with a friend of yours. What is it all about? What can people expect to see? 
Yeah, a, a perspective on something important is, is is very much in his early stages at the moment, and it's uh, it tells the story of two childhood friends growing old together, uh, and it's told the format of the story is uh, their life flashing before their eyes. So they die in the prologue, not to give anything away. <laughs> they die in the prologue, and then their life flashes before their eyes, and through those images, you sort of understand their relationship. So that's that's a little. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away, but that's that's pretty much what the story is about. And it's a two-man show, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's a two-hander. And um, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's hard to direct and 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 act in a piece that you've written because all the time you're you're correcting your own writing and, and editing it as you go. So it's been a very interesting process for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, how long ago did you write it, and and did you write it for the express purpose of performing it here at the Fringe? Um, originally, we were planning on doing a show. Um, that was already written, but we couldn't get the rights. We missed the deadline, so it was a very last-minute thing. But these last-minute deadlines that you have to meet sort of uh, spawn the creativeness. So it was actually great that I was pushed to write a show because I've been wanting to do it for a long time, and finally having to do it according to deadlines just uh, w it was a great experience. So uh, I, I didn't write it. I started writing it um, at the beginning of the summer. And it's just it's still being written. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so what uh, nights uh, are you uh, are you guys performing this week? Do you have that information? You can also find this all online at FringeTheater.ca. Uh, look up a perspective on something important as Ben pulls out his flyer from his pocket. We are performing on today at three thirty, the thirteenth, August fourteenth at three, August eighteenth at eight p.m., August nineteenth at four thirty, August twentieth at four forty-five. And August twenty-first at th oh, not August twenty-first. Oh, that's been that's been that's changed. That's been changed. That was there was a mix-up with the box office, so no show on the twenty-first. And there's so there's a bit of a lull in the middle of the week. Is that because of the other play that you're performing in? Um, the other play is the Edmonton show. Um, that performs three times. We had our first show last night on Friday, uh, and that is sort of a collaboration with a whole bunch of different artists, dancers, uh, spoken word, text people, rappers, and it's just a smorgasbord of uh, awesomeness that we've, that we've put together in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and that's playing again at Avenue Theatre. And uh, it's, it's, uh, Edmonton shows have happened before, but this one, this year, it's, this time at the Fringe, it's a bit different. The format is a bit different. It's not so much of a variety show, and it's more of a um, concentration of art, different artists. And so, what what uh, what are you performing there? Uh, I'm performing in a dance, two dance pieces, uh, and we're also doing a segment of a perspective on something important. Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ben Wheelwright is a Cappy winner. He won. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but a couple uh, too, just this past spring. Uh, um, how did it feel to be recognized for your theater efforts so early in your career? Uh, it felt pretty cool, actually, and especially because it was. Um, uh, you're nominated by your peers and, and, and other high school students, so that felt really good. And it was for a musical theater acting, so it's very—it's uh, not what I'm so much interested in, but it's just nice to be recognized in, in something that you have fun with. And now your next pursuit after this fringe is to leave the prairies and, yeah. and head east. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, on the 23rd I'm moving to Montreal and I will be going to the National Theatre School, which is very, very exciting. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Yeah, um, it's going to be intense. You, you're at school for 12 hours a day and six days a week. So. Yeah. Nuts. Well, full, disclose, full disclosure, I know Ben's mother. I work with her at my day job, and, and I promise to her that I will not tell Ben all the fine sex shops to visit in Montreal, because I'm confident you'll be able to find them <laughs> yourself.
So thanks for chatting with us, Ben. It was great, and, and uh, break a leg out there. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. It's not just theater going on at the Edmonton International Fringe Festival. There's a little bit of music thrown in there as well. Theatrical music, we'll say. Uh, I caught up with two of the members of Apocalypse Cow during the course of the Fringe. Uh, they would be Devin R. Bruce and Kyle Jago, and I asked them about their show. So uh, this is Scott once again coming to you almost live from, we're back at the Casa Brego, but Adam's not here this time. Uh, I am, however, here with two members of Apocalypse Cow, uh, Kyle the Jago Jago and Devin Robot Bruce. Gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Hi, how's it going? So you guys uh, normally for the Fringe have an outdoor venue show, but this year you're mixing it up and you've got an actual stage show. Explain. Do you want the the real story or the story that sounds good? Uh, let's start with the story that sounds good. We really thought it would be uh, interesting, uh, unique. We've been at the Fringe. I think this is our eighth year at the Fringe. We've done seven outdoor shows, and we thought, you know, we've done the outdoor thing. We've busked. We've been on the outdoor stages. Let's try something new, try something different where we can control it a little bit more, do things we wouldn't normally be able to do on the outdoor stage. And, Jago, the real version? We missed the deadline. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what's different then about your show, seeing as you have like a, an indoor venue, you have a set time, you, uh, you're you not at the whim of an outdoor crowd. What, what's different about your show this year that someone who's been to your show the last seven years uh, would maybe not have expected to see? Well, every year we try to uh, throw in new songs. Uh, so even people who have been to a lot of shows, we've, we have about three or four new, show, uh, new songs. Six. six new we songs. have six new songs. <laughs> Three or four that we turn the throne into our sets. Yeah. Uh, basically, we what we did outside and what we're still trying to do is we try and do a different set list every single night yep. so that if people wanted to come back more than once, they they would likely hear new songs. But aside from that, aside from, you know, the six to eight, depending on your qualifications, new songs, we have added a slideshow with some storytelling stuff. We have an audience Q&A about the history of Cow. We have some online Twitter uh, questions and answers that we're doing there. Basically, uh, and the nice, the other nice thing is, on the outdoor stage, we have to basically keep up the the high energy, up tempo songs. If you do a slower romantic song or a you know a slightly you know non pop song, people will get a little bored and they'll find somewhere else to go. This way, we're allowed to kind of play with the mix a little bit and do some songs that we wouldn't normally be able to do outside because people are still in the auditorium. That's true. Now, uh, you guys are at Blues on White, which is a uh, slightly more adult venue. Uh, normally, you guys have a very family-friendly show when you're on the outdoor stage, obviously, so you might have kids coming through. Are you doing anything that's pushing the envelope a little more, seeing as you don't have to worry about, like, an under-18 crowd? Um, we're not... There's no cursing, necessarily. Uh, we, we are thinking a little bit more along the lines of, can we do a little bit you know, of our racier songs that we wouldn't be able to do at, say, 12 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Um, nothing with, you know, curse words in it, but, you know, a little bit more adult themes. Um, uh, and the other nice thing is we're trying to find a place to do our own, like, our own holdover kind of thing. So we'll try and remount this again in September for people who have kids uh, or 
you know, teenage fans who like the group and can't make it into the bar. So that's kind of nice. Right on. Uh, so have you found there, uh, have you found any challenges doing something that is a little more rehearsed, that has a little more theatricality to it, as, as opposed to just putting together some songs with some witty banter? Well, in our outdoor shows, we still had some uh, some like little skits in between some songs. Um, this year, we're still doing some skits, except they're a bit longer than our other ones because we have the time to make it uh, make it a bit longer. Uh, we don't have to worry about people leaving. And uh, yeah, the the longer the longer bits mean more memorizing, and some of us are better at it than others. And um, <laughs> I personally have a harder time keeping on topic sometimes, but I think in general we rehearse those bits and and they come off they come off uh, if it last night is any indication uh, natural natural and funny, which is kind of what we're going for. Yep. And uh, so far, how has your show been received? Well, we had one show so far because it is uh, just the first Saturday of Fringe. It is actually Tuesday when people are listening to this. Okay, but we're recording it on first Saturday. <laughs> so we've had one show. Uh, it went over really well. We, uh, we had uh, about half the crowd, and we were expecting a lot less. Yeah, that, that's, that's not a good way to sell the show, <laughs> mister. But uh, did the crowd enjoy themselves? Were they really energetic? Did they walk out with smiles on their faces? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, some people, uh, we, had, we had kind of a nice mix. We had friends, but we also had fans and a couple of people I, I've never seen before at a cow show who were just like, let's see what this is like. And um, people who I don't know personally, but have seen our shows before, have said, that's the best show I've ever seen you do at the Fringe. So it, that made me feel really good that we've put together something... Um, something different and 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 worth paying up front for which is what was the biggest challenge for for us usually you end up with uh, a couple loonies and a hat at the end of your uh, your set this time you're actually asking for money up front for a ticket that's right and i mean it was a bit uh, a bit weird not having to ask for money uh, during the show but we did it <laughs> you you still could you still could yes you might not get as much and I mean, we still have like we still have uh, our merchandise, merchandise for sale. We have we have our T-shirts. We have our old studio album, and we just came out with a new live album based on one of our uh, previous Fringe uh, performances from I think four years ago. 2007, so yeah, yeah two thousand seven. So we've got a lot of, of stuff. Right on. Uh, now, remembering that it is Tuesday, yeah. uh, how many more opportunities do people have to come out and see Apocalypse Cow Singerers? At the Fringe. Is this Tuesday evening or Tuesday afternoon? Tuesday afternoon. Well, uh, we have a show at Blues on White every night at 7 o'clock except Saturdays. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Five shows left. And uh, is there anywhere else at the Fringe people can see you? Uh, yes, we are also uh, performing in Yegprov, which is a uh, local improv uh, troupe that uh, deals with uh, combining improv with Twitter. And, uh, yeah, uh, we... <laughs> Luckily, we're not in two shows every day. Um, some of us are, uh, three of us are in that, and it, you know, it varies which which combination of us are also in that show. But yeah, basically, one to two shows a day: Apocalypse Cow and Yegprov. But you will not be seeing Apocalypse Cow on Yegprov. No, no singing unless we are forced to. That's right. Fair enough. All right, thanks, guys, uh, for stopping by and chatting. Thank you. Thank you. In your house. <laughs> Indeed, my house. <laughs> We've got one last Fringe interview for you. I caught up with Trent Wilkie of Mostly Water Theatre. He's doing a one-man show. 
Uh, and uh, we're pretty excited to talk to him at any time, especially at a time that he's got a show that he wants to talk about. So uh, we'll turn over to that and we'll see you at the end of the show. Hey, this is Scott coming to you almost live from Edmonton's, one of Edmonton's finest establishments for food and drink, the Next Act Pub. Kind of a destination, this fringe. They have a special $14 for a pulled pork sandwich and a steam whistle beer, which makes me happy. Uh, I was just asked if I want my food now, and I said yes. Uh, I'm here with man about town and professional comedic thespian, Trent Wilkie, who has a show, This Fringe, and he's going to talk to us about it. Trent, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm a little sleep deprived. Sleep deprived enough that this is actually take two, because the uh, recorder was not recording, and we were like five minutes deep into a conversation. So this is awkward now. Uh, if I had emotions, it might be awkward, but I feel fine. I'm going to say all the same jokes anyway. Okay. Uh, so how about that weather that we're enjoying? Well, Scott, that was really good weather. You're welcome. Yes, that was a repeat of a joke that the spontaneity is now lost. So we'll just kind of glaze on past that. So tell me about your show. Aachen is a, is a one-man show uh, about a character that I created a long, long time ago called Carl Argyle Jeffreyan, who's a uh, almost an octave. Well, he's 88, so he's a very uh, older gentleman, uh, and he's a war vet, and he's uh, done a lot of drugs and lived an interesting life. So I thought I always want to do a one-person show. Now you say he's a German war vet? No, no, no. He's uh, almost. He's an octogenarian, but I don't know if octogenarian means 80. I think it does. Eight sides, octo, or is that ten? Or is that a decahedron? He's a decahedron genarian. Yeah. So uh, no, he's not. He's from uh, Glace Bay, Nova Scotia. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think I made up a bit of history because I put him in World War II near uh, a town. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of created history, but also a lot of fun. So lots of swearing. And rightly so. Now, uh, the part of the conversation where we realized this wasn't recording was uh, me asking you. Uh, what's what's different about doing a one man show as a pair as a as opposed to being with like a troupe, having more people to interact with and bounce off of on stage? Well, the energy is definitely different. Uh, with a one person show, it's sort of like a, a slow boil, and you don't want to um, you, you don't want to blow your top too soon, so to speak. With a, with a working with a mostly water, it's uh, different because we can play off each other a bit more. And if one of us drops the ball, the other one can pick it up. Or if one of us is having a good run, we can support each other in that way. And um, this is different because it's more of a challenge for me, and I, I sort of knew that going into it and wanted that going into it, but also because I, I'm never, I never like to be comfortable on stage. That ha that helps me a lot with my energy, and uh, I'm not saying I go up there without knowing my lines, but uh, I like to add a little bit every once in a while to the show, a little bit of improv to go along with a lot of the scripted stuff for Aachen. Now, a one-man show is kind of almost then like a like a, an extended monologue. Do you find it's easy to, to get lost or to uh, kind of skip around a little more than, than when you're uh, picking up cues off another actor? Well, definitely, but I did this one a bit different. Aachen is a bit different because uh, I did a lot of pre-recorded conversations, so I'm not just up there by myself doing a one-man show. It's more like a glimpse into a man's basement. And his sister yells at him from upstairs, which I pre-recorded. He gets phone calls, which he puts on speakerphone, which is pre-recorded. Uh, he's talk. He's doing his last will and testament, video-wise. So he's also the monologues aren't directed at the audience as much as they're directed at a video camera. He also has a bad habit of talking to his plant, 
Um, so there's it's it's like a one person show where it is monologue heavy, but at the same time he is moving around the stage and there is other parts of me, forms of media jumping in and out of the show. So. Do you, obviously in a one-man show, you're also gleaning a lot of your energy off of the audience. Um, is there any interaction with the audience at all, or is it, is it really, there, there a fourth wall there? There is a fourth wall there. I break it every once in a while, like I make fun of the fringe and filthies and, and stuff like that, and myself. Uh, but no, I don't really ever talk to the audience. As, as close as I get to talking to the audience is talking to a camera that's in front of me. Um, at the same time, uh, I did a lot of uh, long-form improv with Dynasty, and uh, went at like hour 25 on a Sunday morning at 4:30, you don't really know where you are. And I took—that's what I learned most about doing that type of thing, that type of long-form—is don't forget the audience is there, but don't expect them to react the way you want them to. Just make sure the show is good. Pour the cock to the show. And uh, then if the audience embraces it, then so be it. But try not to be too caught up in that because half of it, half of a good show is knowing when to be funny and when to be serious. And that's what I, that's what I'm taking a lot of it and trying to, I'm trying to make it a serious and funny situation. So mm -hmm. now how many fringes have you done? Uh, this will be my sixth in a row. I think mostly water wanted to take this one off um, because we've been, doing a lot of stuff this year. I did a play called Gargamel earlier on in the year that I wrote, and we put in the Varscona, and then we also do the the Roxy season. We're part of that, where we do uh, we did three or four shows last year, and we also run something called Metro Shorts, so it was a big year for us, but I'm a masochist, so I, I didn't mind doing it. But at the same time, we wanted to keep Filthies as a venue for us, because it is a BYOV, and, and I just thought, well, heck, I really like working, at, I like doing the Fringe, so I thought... I'll do a one-man show. I've always wanted to do one. So, and then Achim was born. There you go. Um, see, this is why I should write down my questions beforehand because I had a follow-up and I've forgotten it. So, well, Trent, Trent, seriously, where did the name uh, Achim come from? Well, it's very introspective and uh, concise, Scott. The name Achim, actually, before I even wrote the play, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I opened up a dictionary, and Achim is spelled A-A-C-H-E-N. It's a town in Germany. I didn't know this before I picked the name for the play, because my uh, what I wanted was to be at the start of the program somewhere, and double A, Aachen, seemed to work, and the play wasn't even really written at all before then. So uh, yeah, you sort of put me in a corner with that question, Scott, but uh, yeah, well, thanks for asking that one. I, I only ask the tough questions. That's, that's kind of how I roll. Indeed. Uh, in case people didn't recognize me before. Um, so... How many, I guess, uh, how many more opportunities do uh, do our listeners have to come out and see you perform alone, solo, on stage for them? Remember that it is Tuesday afternoon. It's Tuesday afternoon right now, so there's no show tonight. Uh, there's no show on Wednesday, uh, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day at 6 at Filthy McNasty's. It's about a 50, 55-minute show uh, from 6 to whenever. Uh, and you can get there a bit early. They are serving food and beer. There is service during the show as well. So they have four more chances in the future now. Yeah. Now, as a fringe-going veteran, having done six fringes in a row, uh, have you heard some, uh, some buzz that uh, has interested you with any other shows going on? Oh, geez, yeah. Um, uh, Tudor Queens, I heard, has been doing very, very well. Uh, Y-E-G-Prov, I don't know how to pronounce it, Yegprov or something like that. 
I heard that they they just get drunker than sin and they go up and I heard that there's a pantless skit that I really would like to see. Um, also, uh, Herald of Galactus. Um, you know, that, that I'm look, looking. I haven't seen it, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, and one other show called um, the Not Evil Stepmother. Uh, Brian Burgum's in that, who who also does Aachen with me, and uh, he d- has a major role in that. Ellen Chorley's also in the Tudor Queens too. Bit of a meritocracy with my suggestions, of course, but. Um, yeah, there's a. That's the thing about the fringe, you know. If you, if, that's what I like about filthies as well. If you don't like the show, at least you can get pissed out of your mind. So, fair enough. Well, thank you very much, Trent, for coming on the show and uh, talking about your show. Uh, thank you for letting me come on the show to talk about my show. All right, uh, this is once again Scott at the next act, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, well, that's pretty much the end of our summer spectacular show. Uh, It's been a blast putting together. It's been a great opportunity to get out and enjoy a lot of the, uh, the summer festivities that Edmonton has to offer. And really, Edmonton is a great place for summer festivals. They really aren't kidding when they say that this is Festival City. So uh, if you still have time, get out and enjoy some of the summer while it's still going. Definitely take in the Fringe Festival if it's uh, still going by the time you've listened to this episode. And uh, have some fun and enjoy yourself. So I know I speak for Adam when I say thank you very much for listening to our Summer Spectacular. We have a lot of exciting stuff lined up for Season 3, which we're very much looking forward to presenting to you. And uh, that'll be coming in just a short little while. So thank you for listening to The Unknown Studio, and have yourself a great summer break.